giving up that sense of identity and that rigid sense of who I thought I was just allowed for unfolding an exponential possibility as a result. That was Adam Gibson, and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey. Here at The Regenerative Journey, we know that good health is related to good food and good practices, but understand that sometimes the right food choices are quite hard to put into place. But our good buddy, Cindy O'Meara at the Nutrition Academy is helping people break old habits to create a much healthier lifestyle. So in support of what she's doing, we're offering a $100 discount to all our listeners. Simply enroll in their functional nutrition course and enter the coupon CHARLIE100, that's CHARLIE100, the Nutrition Academy, say goodbye to old food habits and hello to a much healthier, happier life. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and internationally and their continuing connection to country, culture, community, land, sea and sky. And we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott, an 8th generational Australian regenerative farmer. And in this podcast series, I'll be diving deep and exploring my guests' unique perspectives on the world so you can apply their experience and knowledge to cultivate your own transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with your host, Charlie Arnott. plug for our workshops coming up in December. Uh, the first one is at, at the farm at Byron Bay in the northern uh, rivers of New South Wales on the 2nd and 3rd of December. And then our next one is the next week, 7th and 8th of December at, the, at Hannah Minow here at Burrawa in the south of Slopes of New South Wales. It's our two-day introduction to biodynamics course. Uh, theory in the morning, crack in the afternoon. It's two days. Jump on charliearnett.com.au, the events page there, to book your tickets. Sneak these workshops in before the end of the year, before the festive season, and uh, hope to see you there. G'day, welcome back for part two of Adam Gibson's Regenerative Journey interview. Uh, this one we talk more about regenerative agriculture, fear, how to overcome fear and transitioning to regenerative agriculture, and his uh, Adam's, Adam's mentoring uh, program and other little initiatives that he's engaged in and projects in the regenerative agriculture space. Very exciting stuff and, and thrilled we sat to, we got to sit there for so long and had to turn it into two parts because it's all absolutely awesome. Uh, and here you go. Here's another episode, part two of Adam Gibson on the regenerative journey. I want to pick up on something you just said then before, Adam, the fragi- fragility of our food system. Mm. Do you reckon, um, do you think that's... Was that set up on purpose or was that just the way it's happened? I, I don't know. I think on purpose if you, insofar this is as... This Tony Robbinsism. If you did know, what would you say? <laughs> um, look, I think it's on purpose insofar as he who controls the, the supplier controls the money. You know, So it's, mm. it's, a, it's the industrial model which is really driving that. Here's the kids home from school. Um, cool. Yeah, so that's yeah. I, I think it's on purpose. In the so far as you know, if if we're reliant, then they control it, and therefore someone's profiting. You know, so I think that's very much on purpose. Um, but you know, I think when people realise when the toilet paper ran out, people carried on about it. But mm-hmm. it probably gave everyone pause to think, well, hang on, if the toilet paper runs out, so can the food. Yeah. You know, and therefore it suddenly became a lot more relevant and, and you know, impacted us all immediately. You know, hang on. Yeah. Did do you think, I mean, <laughs> there was actually a surge, wasn't there? You couldn't buy seedlings at Bunnings and you couldn't... Um, couldn't buy a backyard chicken. No, yeah. you, couldn't. you yeah. couldn't. So there was a real surge in that. Do you think that's maintained or everyone's just got, oh, actually I panicked a bit and I'm, I ate the chickens or I couldn't be bothered anymore or, you know, they've gone back to, you know, yeah. they, sort of, a, you know, is the, is the frog getting boiled slowly? I, I think it's probably it's probably eased off to be fair, but what I've noticed one of the one of the areas we're working in mate is is um, putting investment into farming into regen farming. So we work with a program called Cultivate Farms, and we match up young or not even young, but aspiring or expanding farmers who are getting into regen and want to get into farming, and they might be on a farm already but want to go and grow and expand. And uh, we match them with investors who want to get into the food system. And what I'm, I'm pointing that out 
I guess it's a plug, but um, the the appetite for investing in that space. So that that sentiment's filtered up to the mm. investors who are now going, let's go and put some money into this because it's mm. it's a solid investment. I mean, we don't get sick of food. You know, it's kind of important for us every three, four times a day. So it's a good, solid place to invest mm. in terms of it's a real estate asset. And guess what? It's producing something that people aren't going to get fed up with and sick of it. Um, so that's what I've noticed is it's it's actually become more of a mainstream thing. It's, you know, people accept that the regenerative food system is a universally good idea. Mm. And to the extent that I've got people coming out, you know, getting out of I had a bloke ringing two days ago. He's getting out of the U.S. bond market or something. He said that could all disappear in a heartbeat. Um, mm. He said, "Where can you put six million bucks? I want to get into a farm. You know, what do you got for me?" They're, so the, they're, they're trying the to bond hard assets. You know, they're the kind of um, phone calls you want, aren't they? Yeah, and, and you know that used to be never got anything like that. It was like mm. not you know I got a lot of a lot of um, you know knocked on a lot of doors, mm. kissed a lot of frogs, got nowhere for a long time with it. Now they're coming at us. It's mm. it, it's so that idea and that's that awareness we all had when we rushed off and buy seed at Bunnings and plant your veggie garden and all that that's now become far more ingrained at an institutional level I think mm. is my my you know personal assessment of it and are those those who are looking to invest in farms are they looking for um, I mean obviously you're attracting those who are a particular type of investor and they you know, they want to want to, want to be a regenerative farm um, because they can sort of be a corporate, you know, they can invest in other corporate, more corporate conventional funds and that sort of thing. There's plenty of them around. Mm. Um, what, what's, their, what's their motivation? Is it the food? Is it the environment? Is it the fluffy feel-good? What's, what's the what's There's definitely motivation? an impact focus. It, yeah. you know, the most of them have an impact profile. So there is, mm. you, know, you know, they want to see their money doing some good in the world. So that's arguably another impact of the whole COVID thing is they think, hang on, am I doing the right thing in the world? There's something there, I think. Maybe that's not universal by any stretch, but you know that is a, it's a theme. Um, but there's also there's you know there's genuine desire. There's, there is a lifestyle element to some of them, but not all. Where they mm. say, "Look, I want to get out and I can take my family out to the farm a few times a year." I know I'm sick, you know I'm locked in the city, but you know, I'm probably not going to travel overseas for some time to come. But mm. I can go and visit my farm, you know. So there's that. Um, but there's also you know emerging markets in in carbon. There's emerging markets in biodiversity credits. There's, mm. there's some strong investment reasons to get involved in the space. Mm. And they, they don't always apply at different levels of farming, but you know, collectively there's a whole bunch of reasons. Mm. And, and look, ultimately, <coughs> excuse me, it's a, as, a, as an asset, farms are outperforming across the country. They're outperforming residential real estate in terns of their mm. capital growth. Oh, totally. It's right? bananas. So it's, and you, anyone here knows that. If you're trying to buy land at the moment, it's pretty tough. Totally. So it's going nuts. Um, commodity prices aren't going backwards in a hurry. You know, we're trying to, you know, food, as you said, is, is always going to be in fashion. Mm. Um, and uh, you're in a high-performing asset. You just need management and people out there to run it, which is where the cultivate model comes in. Jeez, that's bloody picked up. Yeah. Coming no. from the east as well. It is. That settles down a bit. Can't mm. be, guy. Just put a lid on that for a minute. <laughs> um, what's in in the in the recipe um, of people, money, land, um, and I guess skill sets belong to people. So that's probably a part of the people part of the puzzle. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, what what's what what's the sort of the hardest one to. To not so much get right, but what's the what's the most elusive part of that puzzle to, to come together? You know, what what, what is the most or the most maybe the most important bit? <clears throat> as you I, see it, I as, think it's the talent as a, as a chef who's putting this all these ingredients. Yeah, together. no, it's a good one. It's an in, intersection of having the technology <laughs> or the methodology to, to to improve land. So a lot of this mm. is about where I see regenerative. Uh, look, there's the talent and the technology to use another T, and then then there's the impact considerations so and, and that's you know biodiversity environment and so on but this is um if you got the technology or the methodology then an opportunity in regeneration that i, I see personally and it's and it's a longer burn things so i'm not mm. saying this is a quick and easy fix but it's this is, it's a remediation technique yeah. you know so it's almost like i've done this a few times in in residential property or buy a crappy old queenslander 
turn it up, mm. spend a bit of time and money and give it a bit of love, mm. put it back on the market, make some money yeah. or, or keep it and it goes up in value. Mm. And I think that's what regeneration offers um, farming is that you can buy mm. degraded, rundown, overgrazed mm. country. It's been flogged to death. You can actually bring it back and increase its value even. And a lot of the farmers I work with now, that's the only way they can get in and justify buying at such a high price. It's, yeah, it's, it's very high price per acre, but I can improve its value dramatically mm. over the next three years by doing this, that, and the other. And having a line of sight to <coughs> techniques and practices and principles to improve it, I mean, there's improve and different sort of versions or perspectives on what does improved property look like. For some mm. conventional farmers, improvement would be, we'll, we'll, we'll put more of that grass into crop and that sort of thing. But mm. I'm talking about sort of, I guess, in the field we're working in, you know, working from a very low base of, yeah, you know, other farmers might go, oh my god, that's run down. Like, mm. why would you why would you put money into that? Yeah. There's a you know, you got less competition often for those blocks of land. Absolutely. In some ways. Yeah. Often they're the only ones left. And <laughs> only, yeah, and then, mm. and then having the vision and as you, as you talked about earlier, Adam, about the potential, seeing the potential in there, you know, mm. and seeing not just the I can grow more wheat and run more sheep potential, but the I can see the carbon potential, I see the biodiversity mm. potential, the ecological potential. I can see, and for some people in the regenerative space, they can see the people potential. Because mm. you know, in, in a conventional sense, in a sort of a technocratic, you know, we're just going to grow more commodity sense, people are often a bit of a pain in the ass, mm. you know. And I, I see that the, you know, the families, yeah. you know. It's the next generation, mate. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. So this is the... You know better than me. You've been in farming a long time, but you know the average age of the farmers. We're days getting far. You know, mm. The farmers are an aging population. Who 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 takes over those farms? Is it going to be a corporate who doesn't give a toss about what they do to the land? They only care about profits. As a you know, as a cynical view, there yep. might be not yep. always the case, but that's that's the big risk we run. Mm. Or do we bring a next generation farmer on who's got? a head full of ideas and probably a good bit of experience in the regenerative space who just lacks the capital mm. to go in and affect those ideas and make turn the next generation into, you know, families and people actually on the land. So the talent, backing the talent is, is I think, it's a key element. And bringing, see, people, as you know better than anyone, Charlie, is people bring themselves to it and they connect with the land and they look after it on such a fundamental level. I know every farmer I've ever met loved his country, mm. his or her country. And um, corporates don't have that necessarily, you know. So we want people in charge of country and looking after it in that regard. That's So matching up capital, that's what, what we do is match investors with those aspiring or, or expanding. Some of them are farming already, they're just expanding, but they just need the capital mm. and we match them up. And then the other part of it, as it says, that environmental factor, you've got that natural capital and the, and the ecology that... It, that resilience that comes with natural capital and you know drought resilience and flood uh, you know uh, sorry drought resilience and mm. um being able to weather the storms when they turn up you know both financially and e- ecologically mm. and when um so there's a there's the marriage of, of of finance um a block of land uh a young couple entrepreneur entrepreneur um you facilitate the conversations and the transactions and the arrangements and contracts mm. and so on where does your role finish or do, does it sort of stay there as a guiding light as a you know other facilitation because um, i imagine that you know under under your close you know watch these things can come together but then once you know like the young couple who aren't maybe that business savvy or you know good with negotiating mm. or something and then you know where where does your role can does it continue it's 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 more and more so yeah mm. like it hasn't always but at this point um we're seeing that as you say having i'm a big believer in business coaching and mentoring now because mm. i've had that myself and i can see the benefit it has to clients not just because i'm in the space but i think generally uh, having that level of accountability and oversight and sort of you know assistance and help um fills a lot of gaps for a lot of people yeah. um and so, yeah, to, for that, it's important that that farm is not just, we don't just want to match them up and set them off as you, and then hope they survive. Um, it's important for the investors and the farmers and the farm itself that the thing is flourishing and mm. it's, it's in itself regenerative. I mean, a part of that word regenerative is financially regenerative, mm. so it's growing and expanding. So that's where, yes, we have that ongoing relationship um, and that ongoing mentoring role. Um, that's becoming more and more important and also... 
the network that surrounds that and you know if farming as far as i understand it can be pretty lonely if you're out there doing it on your own mm. having a bunch of like minds around you who are doing a similar thing and on the same page and you're talking the same language you can sort of and it doesn't most of our guys never meet each other it's all on zoom nowadays it's just kind of normal um but you know th- that network and that support creates a momentum that uh generally speeds speeds up your progress in business dramatically and eliminates a lot of roadblocks and helps us challenge ourselves just inherently by being part of it's like networking upward being around better people who are mm. you know sort of better than us or challenges and you're right there's a, there's, a, there's an isolation um, not just with farming generally often but also in the regenerative space because you're a bit of an outlier he's doing something different yeah doing something different yeah, so exactly. that can be you know so um uh, yeah there are organizations you know formal businesses that that help that come together and then there's you know much more informal just mm. you know i know there's one organic group up at kin kin uh, mitch and lena bray who've, who've interviewed on the show before and um, they've got an organic group up there mm. and there's no formality about it. there's about a dozen of them mm. families and you know and they just sort of turn up at each, you know a farm once a month and they just have the chat and they find that and i've been in part of more conventional versions of that the most you know informative sort of confidence building, uh, empowering and interesting um, for, forums for for for, um, for for development. Yeah. You know? Like I said, that momentum that comes – and I, I saw this in all the coaching groups I've ran over the years. It got to a point, you know, that was the, the, the insider secret in a big coaching group, say in the natural health space that we ran. People didn't have to do much other than join the group because people would end up coaching each other Mm. And the conversations and the, the you know, it was stru- the structure to how that yeah. worked. But I know RCS do this and Farm Owners Academy and others as well out there doing a good job with this. But um, we run a mastermind group then our around Cultivate that, that fills this role you're talking about mm. whereby our graduates and our people who own farms or are still trying to get onto farms, there's a momentum that happens within the group that almost propels you along without Correct. needing it's to do life, much. Yeah. Life of its own. Yeah, it does. Way, it? There's a culture there. Yeah. yeah. And that's you're putting the culture back into agriculture. Yeah, you know? yeah. There you go, mate. That's a you, TM. To take yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can take that one. I do. It does drop out of my gob every now and again. Um, fear. I just want to talk about fear. I made a note of that before. You know, where? How do you deal with it? You know, when when your your clients, you know, old and new. You know, there's there's a there's a you perceive. You're aware of a you know of a you know a fear-based decision or mm. fear-based sort of a attitude and how 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 does it how does it affect people and and how do you coach people through through getting getting around that in in a general term there's lots of different versions of fear and you know mm. how that plays out but is there is there sort of any tips you can give people um that you would I, um, pretend, yeah. pretend you've got all these clients listening right now <laughs> you're at a conference <laughs> no pressure huh? no um but i think Look, you know, this it probably sounds a little bit cliched, but if you if you really know where you're going and why you're getting there, and what your vision is, and what you know what your what your why is, you know what your purpose is, um, then then fear and other, you know, let's call them roadblocks or bumps in the road, become a little bit less relevant. So you know, like that bigger picture really can drive you forward because it keeps mm-hmm. everything contextualised, mm-hmm. and that's that's on a on a macro level. But when it does become a genuine roadblock. <clears throat> um, this where it becomes that emotional awareness becomes really that we talked about earlier I think becomes a really useful tool <laughs> is it gives us a chance to unpack what's going on with the fear and and what I mean when I unpack it is to actually examine it shine a bit of daylight on it and say well if if what I'm scared of actually happens what then mm. what would it mean and then you come up with well it would mean this you know that would happen and someone wouldn't talk to me or whatever, you know, or, or quite often, you know, like I give it, I remember one farmer example would be, you know, if I, if I switched from using chemicals to biologicals in a season on my cropping program on, you know, on a, on a quarter of my, my farm or, a, you yeah. know, I'll go broke. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and then just examining that and go, well, yeah, is that actually the case? And, you know, to explain that to me, how would you go broke? And then they go into the numbers of it and sort of unpack it a bit further. They go, well, I know I, I might lose 20%, for example, or I might 
I might not get my money back on this. So, you know, so that comes back to some more, some more actual factual stuff yeah. rather than this big grand assumption. Is it true? Is it really true? Yeah. Mm. And just on a, on a, if it's an emotional thing, it's like, well, what, what would happen then? You say, come up with an answer. And what mm. would that mean? What would happen then? And just mm. bring it, really digging it out and go, well, you know what? This fear is based on a whole bunch of assumptions that actually aren't as bad. Because once I start to look at it and go, well, I'm scared of that and it did happen. How would I deal with it? Generally, you'll have an answer. And then what happens then? I'll have an answer. So I know that makes sense, but oh, totally. it, it totally. just lays it out and becomes far more manageable. Mm. And it helps us. Often, often what's at the core, the core of it is, you know, an irrational kind of sense that is something calamitous would happen, mm. which is based on, you know, often it's just a belief system we managed to inherit from, you know, friends, family or church or something before age seven. So, you know, it's, it's, a child, it's the inner child screaming they're about to disappear and be attacked mm. from a zero irrational space as an adult. And, you know, being emotionally aware of that, you can sort of acknowledge that little part of each of us is, you know, seven years old and terrified or confused or whatever um, and give us a chance to go, you know, it's okay. That's part of me that's still there. But as an adult, I can actually deal with this. Well, it's funny you say that. I listened to a podcast some months ago about that very thing. And, and you know, in those formative years, there's a there's, there's a we... We, we grow, obviously, we develop and our, our personalities and our, the way we behave and, and habits and things change as we grow. And there was a, this fellow, I just can't remember his name or which even podcast it was, but saying, yeah, when those events happen, those momentous events happen, um, there's a persona that is captured mm. in us at that moment. Right? You know, our fear at that point in time, um, the way we behave, it's, you know, the way to describe it was persona. So, you know, something up when you're age four, mm. your, your, you at age four is, tra- is, 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 is sort of captured. There's a persona that mm. you retain. Yeah. And then when you go through life, you might be 33 and, a, and an event happens that triggers it. That persona that has been in your, your it's almost like an entity in a way, mm. is there to step in 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 that because because that's what you're designed to do. Yeah. You know, this persona comes back in it's and goes. Oh, this is thing. this yeah. is my. You know, I'm still for that. This this thing is not for. It hasn't grown with you, and you, mm. it, it jumps back in there, in a in in a version that we can identify. Like mm. we might be using different language and things, but there's the the core of it. It's re- it was fascinating. Mm. You know, like you know when adults lose their shit and they act like children. Mm. It's the persona of them at age seven when something happened just triggered their, their behavior. Yeah. It, was, it was absolutely fascinating. It made yeah. so much sense. And there's a way to sort of put that persona to bed. Mm. You know, it's really, really interesting stuff. You know, yeah. there's so much in this, in that, in that, you know, that great emotion of fear. And as I said to, uh, oh, I might have said to you the other day, you know, people are mean when they're scared. Yeah, that's that stayed with me when you said that. I think mm. that's very, very true. Yeah, mm. and it's and and when we recognise it as, you know, big strong blokes and go, hang on, I'm acting like a seven year old. Mm. It's it's kind of humbling, you know. Um, it was pointed out to me just a couple of days ago by my beautiful wife. Said, You're acting like seven year old, <laughs> bloody hell. <laughs> well, um, so, and, you you know. can't, and you can't argue with that, can you? I mean, it's, you can't argue with the wife anyway. No, I managed. I did yeah. at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then she said, "You're acting like a four year old." Um, Tim Ferriss has a has a technique he calls fear setting. Yeah, you know he sort of he goes, "What's the worst case scenario?" You know, like so. What's the, what? So we, you know, there's an anxiety about something. Okay, let's go to the worst case scenario. What does that? What does it look like? What is the impact on of that? And be really objective about it. And mm. what can I do to mitigate against that? And and how long will it take? Or how? What will I have to do to to um, recover from that? And mm. that very simple. I think it's sort of three or four questions in there. Of instead of goal setting, which is like, mm. oh, the future. I mean, you know, it's this is still a future scenario potentially. Um, but you know, we all think about the how we're going to achieve our positive mm. goals and scenarios in front, but how then there's also the well, we're going to have some stumbles and some challenges on the way. I think you know, if I can prepare for that as well with this sort of fear setting. It kind of, it's a it's a really it's a really um, it's a really interesting technique. Yeah, and it it gets us asking different questions, doesn't it? You know, oh, totally. And, and it know, just it's... yeah, because it's I mean it's an interesting thing. It's um, so I like really like about what I've seen happen in the regen world. Sort of coming back to that in that space is that the question I asked you and 
Charlie Massey, you know, four years ago. Mm. I can ask now and I'll find a lot of answers. I can jump on Google or whatever now and, and I'll actually get those answers. Those things are getting filled in. The, the transition mm. and the journey is getting so much more charted, better charted territory. Whereas, more, ta- more tangible. Now, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but in itself, in that, that's an interesting point in itself. Like the more that something becomes more tangible and more defined, often the more conflict there'll be true. around that. You know? Very true. Yeah. Well, what have, um, you, have you? Have you? Maybe you don't well, mention names and situations, mm. them, but I mean, is there? What are you? What are you seeing in the space? Is there sort of not negatives, but there are some challenges that this is that are arising that you know you've seen develop? Yeah. Look, I think this comes back to that initial... Well, we talked about this off-air a while back. Um, trying to see regenerate... Trying to, trying to see the regen... And again, I'm not speaking here as a farmer. I'm talking here as a business consultant, I guess, or as a coach. Um, and I want to make that clear. But if we look at uh, replacing industrial ag with a regenerative system, I tend to try to place it into the sort of industrial compartmentalized you know there's a nail there's a hammer nail hammer hit nail kind of approach yep is what you do um, yeah this is the system um whereas what you're getting at here is the better what I, what we love about the regenerative space and what where the opportunity is is to realize it's there is a whole new paradigm to embrace so it's not about replacing one thing or the next it's about shifting paradigm um so yeah, there is there is that temptation to try and define it, but it's a bit like natural medicine. Is um, if you go to the doctor, say I, I ran into chronic fatigue as part of that kind of I mentioned this sort of implosion method. Chronic fatigue was one of the ways it expressed itself, which was a, a really shitty thing for a big, strong bodybuilder with a strong physicality and identity around physicality to run into. It was like. Literally, here I'll just whip this suit of armor that you've built over the last twenty years and take that away from you and yep. see there see what's you left. Then. You know, yeah, you. yeah, you big pussy. You mm-hmm. know, so but so what I discovered there is I go to the doctor and say I've got this, and he'll go, well, either you know have another cup of coffee in the morning and have a panadol for your ache. You know, it's it's literally yeah. that level of advice, yep. right? That'll which is which is right. which is not even it's 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 worse than useless. It's actually you know it makes me worse, right? Mm. So. What I'm getting at here is you go to the you go to a good integrative doctor or a naturopath or someone who knows this stuff, and they go back to the biome. They go back to mindset. They go back to nutrition and environmental toxins and removing all that, and then regenerating the natural biome of the body and regenerating the body's natural ability to heal. That's that's a replacement system, but it's a new paradigm to work from, and exactly what I see happening in the regenerative space is that the opportunity here is to not just replace a chemical with some new thing. Mm. Well, maybe there is actually, maybe you can put a new thing in, but if the new thing, it's like me saying, I'm going to stop taking a painkiller or a drug over here to kill the pain, which is symptomatic, but I will take, let's say a probiotic to help my body expand its own regenerative capacity and healing capacity. So maybe that's the, the replacement is to find that um, those products, methodologies, and things that can stimulate natural healing of soil and the and the in ecology, and to that to that extent, you know, there's a replacement methodology there. But the inherent paradigm that replacement is coming from is to rebuild and regenerate so that the input itself becomes basically irrelevant in time. You know, we're trying to build nature as our as our um, as, as I do with my body. I don't want to take mm. supplements forever. I want to get myself to a point where I'm resilient in myself. Looking for more information to assist your regenerative journey? Come join Charlie and his guests around the kitchen table an online community of supporters with exclusive access to the Regenerative Journey interview transcripts, live online Q&A sessions, a chance to engage with other like-minded people and more. Go to www.charliearnett.com.au forward slash the kitchen table and we look forward to sharing a yarn with you. Now let's get back to this week's episode. 
you know, what I'm learning um, and still a student of is that nature does have the answers. Mm. You know, and you talk to someone like Peter Andrews, you, you know, it's just the the science is, is is in the is in the hills, is in the landscape. We can see that. We just have to you know open our eyes to actually understand it. Yeah, and that um, you know. Literally, the medicine chest of nature is there. Mm. We, we're, we're exploring that. Um, and also, I guess, in another reflection on the parallels between regenerative ag and um, human health, medicine, you know, mm. big pharma versus, um, well, you know, as we've discussed in the past, you've got your, you've got your human health industry, mm-hmm. conventional, and then you've got your agriculture industry conventional you know there's lots of similarities and one similarity is that um prescription which you just sort of mentioned then, mm. you know see a nail hit it on, hit it on the head with a hammer yeah um but also the what are we focusing on we uh, we're going to focus and treat the cu- the, the the symptom yeah or we're going to actually look at well let's step back to the to the core of the matter here you know yeah. and that's very you know Human health, mm. landscape, soil health, absolute parallel. And I think it's only when, see, you go back to health. If you, if you get recurring headaches, but every time you take a Panadol, that goes away, mm. you kind of think, oh, well, I'll just keep taking Panadol. Quick when, when, But when the headache keeps coming back, no matter how many Panadols you have, mm. is when you start asking better questions. Mm. So when we hit crisis point in our health, we go to, then that's when people go to the naturopath or the integrative doctor and they go, Nothing else is working. Yeah. Show me a better way. So, right? And that's this is an interesting one because we're seeing that doesn't seem to happen yet in Australia regularly. That's you know we can still kind of ignore it a bit. It's what I that's my read on it. You might see different, but this is a, one of the one of the companies I'm working with at the moment. It's called VRM Biologic, an Aussie company. If you know about them, mm. they're not big in Australia, but they're very big overseas, and they've just secured in the midst of a. Chinese, all the tension going on with China politically and COVID and everything else, have secured a massive multi-million dollar contract with the Chinese government as a, as a partner over there to remediate 20, 20 million acres of farmland mm. a year for the next number of years. Right? So that's a lot of land. Right? Now, the reason I bring that up partly is a, is a product placement and a bit of a plug, right? Mm. but this is what's relevant about it, is the reason the Chinese government are looking for this biological inputs is because they've hit the point where the food system's failing. Mm-hmm. That's the inside scoop is they're going, okay, we need, we need biologicals in here. We need a better way of doing this because the panel we were treating this thing with is failing and they literally have, a, a, you know, experiencing not so much food shortages as food quality. quality the quality yeah, is dropping. Yeah. So, you know, this soil is just dead. In, in so many parts. So they know that more of the same is going to give them starvation. You know, it's literally at that stage. So that's why this is the, you know, I know that from working in this company who are doing this amazing job over there, remediating soil, at, you know, and mm. replacing chemical ag because they have You've to. Got to that They've point. got to. So there's, you know, it's a good, it's a good tap on the shot. There's that feather we talked about earlier yeah. for us to it's go. A, it's a big feather. Yeah. <laughs> Don't wait for the Mack truck, you know. Use I mean, the, and then, the, you know, and the Chinese are pretty shrewd, you know, they're, they're and I say that with, with some respect, um, you know, they, they are thinking 100 years down the track, not one, you mm. know. So they're looking at food security. Um, they are currently, you know, they source a lot of food from overseas because they know the stuff. They can grow a lot of food over there. Mm. But it, as you say, it's crap. And this is interesting. It's history repeating itself because in 1924, Rudolf Steiner was asked by many German and Austrian farmers to do a talk on agriculture mm. because the the NPK system, yep. which was, I think, let's I'm saying 40 years old at that point maybe, yep. um, 30, 40 years old, was failing. Mm. You know, they they before that they were, you know, natural because there wasn't unnatural products. You know, it was seaweed. Mm. It was Charcoal. It mm. was um, uh, green crop. You know, manuring. They, they. That was the system they were used to used to in, employing in their farms. It was all inputs, though. They were inputs. Kind of, yeah, they were inputs, though, because they, yeah. they. You know, there was there was, you know, not um, obviously there was variations of where they were farming and the products they were trying to produce, but they, there was an input um, of some degree. Yep. And then, um, you know, there was a, a, a revolution and mm-hmm. we, could, we could actually extract and obtain NPK, um, nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium, um, and we could 
use that to grow food because mm. you add it. This is what the plants need. Add it to the soil and you'll get better food. Well, mm. they grew volume. Yep. Um, but over time, and there's a, there's a lift, initial lift, and then there's the slow degradation of health in the soil and the, the, you know, the, the, the quality of food. And then these farmers said, Rudolph, we, we need an alternative here. Mm. And that's when that, that was the birth of the nine lectures that he did um, and the agriculture, um, uh, the, the publication of that book and, and the birth of biodynamics mm. at that time. You know, and again, so that was, that was nearly 100 years ago. Mm. Right? And then, then there was, I guess, the, the 50s, 1950s, uh, I think it was the Green Revolution, the 50s yeah. and 60s, where it was like, I've got all this leftover chemical warfare stuff, let's turn that into fertilisers mm. and, and chemicals. So that was another point in time where there was an alternative that people went, a quick fix. Yeah. You know, and now we're here some 50 years later, 60 years later, at another point in time, aren't we? Yeah, and, and you know, I think as a lot of us obviously waking up to is the quick fix, whether it's in medicine or in agriculture, um, has a an addictive kind of aspect to it not even necessarily you know physically addictive but financially addictive you know you've you got to keep mm. you got to keep going back and buying it and you know you, someone needs to be selling it to you to do it whereas you know in, in an ideal world we want to be self-sustaining self-regenerative do we want to talk about sovereignty at this point yeah can we talk because i mean there's there's sovereignty as a farmer Mm-hmm. Isn't there? You know, like and we, I believe we're reasonably have you know some reasonable amount of sovereignty over our farm. We're producing mm. the fertilizers we use. If I don't even like using that word, we make you know biodynamics mm. basically. Um, so we're in charge of that. We are we're in control of that. We're not relying on a whole lot of other people. I mean, that's quite similar to human health, isn't it? You know, and we we yeah. sort of really sort of touched on the sovereignty of one, and that's not just from a medicinal sovereignty. It's just like a sense of um, one's own. I guess freedom and mm. ability to, to make decisions and choose, and and choose for their their families. Yeah, I think mate, we're so it's an interesting one right now. It's never been more relevant with this whole the medical situation we find ourselves in as a, as a, in the world really, but in mm. Australia, obviously it, with the vaccination rollout and so on, is um we're all being challenged and asked a question around that to make, and we're not even getting asked to make a decision. We're getting told what to do. Mm. And um, whatever your choices are around that is okay, except for my money, I think we're being, we've been numbed out to the idea that we have that choice uh, for a long time. And I think we've, I'm saying this without trying to offend everyone and everyone, but basically over the number of years, you know, you look at, we're just so used to the idea of go to the doctor, get a panel and get fixed mm. rather than going to a doctor I'll give you the I'll give you the tip. Right? Every I've worked with a lot of doctors over the years. They are almost forced by the system to do practice what we will end up calling seven minute medicine. You know, yeah. what's wrong with you, Charlie? Yeah, tell us your symptoms. Right, here's your pill. See you later, mate. I've got a pill for that. Yeah. Mm. Um, rather than you come in and say, "Oh, look, I've got a bit of heart pain, carrying too many weight, too much weight, or whatever's going on." And let's look at your system. Let's look at your, your history. Your let's diet. look at your diet. Let's go into yeah. things and, and spend some time together. Mm. I used to work with doctors who spend half an hour with patients or more time with patients that actually did that sort of higher level, more in-depth work with their patients. And they didn't charge them anymore for it, but got penalized by Medicare for it. Yeah. They got red they flagged. They weren't turning over. They weren't doing the turnover, right? <clears throat> so literally the, the system works against them. So, you know, systemically we've been battered battered about the head long enough as a as a culture as a mm. nation just to believe that you know if you've got a problem there should be a quick fix for it and you know whether it be medical or anything else and you know convenience drives everything and the idea of critical thinking think for yourself and you know dive a bit deeper be curious and ask your own questions and explore ways that you can regenerate your own health or, or you know that seems to, it's not a popular thing any longer. It's just no. not. Um, it's, except, not, it's not encouraged. It's not encouraged. No, it's not. On, on a systemic level or even just on a cultural level. It's, it's like, often seen as a nuisance. Yeah. You know, these people asking questions. Yeah. And that's, 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 I mean, I say that for myself from a farming perspective as well, but certainly, <clears throat> you know, I don't go to the doctor much mm. or, or, or similar um, practitioners, but um, I imagine. Again, you know, when it comes down to turnover, t- 
time in my office um, and spent <clears throat> an ease of prescription, mm. you know, um, that that can be a real nu- nuisance. Yeah, and this is yeah, and, I, and again, I see it in farming. I mean, I get agronomists up here to ask questions, and they go, "Well, you just use this, that, and the other, and fix it and fix it." And I go, "Yeah, but I don't want to just fix it. I want to replenish it and rebuild mm. it." Mm. So you know that, and they're not popular questions, as you say. It's, it's it's you get laughed at and you get ostracized, and it's like you get, I feel like I'm I I feel like I'm stupid asking the question, yeah. but I'm like this doesn't make sense what you're telling me. Um, and so yeah, sovereignty right now for my money, Charlie. I think we have we have given it away so cheaply. We have given away that right to make questions, and this is not a judgment on anyone's medical choices. It's simply that we're not collectively as a nation saying we have a right to choose what we do we have a right to you know but for me personally my view is when the government starts telling me with as much vigor as they tell me to get a vaccine or wear a mask to tell me go and build your immune system up and be as healthy as you can stay positive don't be Mm. fearful you'll get through this yeah. If that message comes through and there was Easily. genuine health tips that were positive, that would actually make a difference to the majority of people. I'll listen to the other stuff with equal. But right now, I'm I'm deeply sceptical and a bit a bit sad how quickly we've rolled over on that one. Personally, I think we're you know very um it 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 doesn't remind me of that Australia I grew up believing we were as a as a sovereign nation who goes out to fight for our sovereignty and all that kind of thing. I think we're on a very slippery slope there. It's um. It seems. I mean, as you just mentioned, you know, uh, I would love to hear that message on mainstream media or anyone or coming mm. out of a politician's mouth. Um, I did have a little chuckle um, the other day. I, there was a, a, a photo. I saw it a couple of times. Different versions of the health ministers from around the world. Have you seen that? This, this, <laughs> Not a, a healthy looking lot. Oh are they? my god! Yeah. These people are making decisions. Um, there are some sort of at state levels and there are some at national levels and. To think that they are the health ministers, mm. it's it's a, it's. A, I mean, there's lots of sort of analogies or parallels I could draw there, but I won't because it's pretty yeah. hardcore. It's but it wasn't pretty. Yeah, no, it was mm. absolutely. It was yeah. least it was healthy, not in least that, healthy group I've seen for a long time. Yeah. T- well, I mean, which is really, I guess, reflective of their attitudes. Like, you know, let's not talk about physical fitness or 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 building mm. resilience or our diet. <clears> it's about it's again, it's about oh, you know, mm. you might look like shit and you might. You know, but you'll be alive. You know, we'll, we'll get you to, to tomorrow, mm. and you're gonna. It's gonna cost you, but that's mm. fine because we've done our job. Because we'll catch you alive. Yeah. It's like, no, but you're not giving me life. You know, you're not 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 you're not prescribing uh, a life for me. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, yeah, a hundred percent. So, and it's you know, we've got to recognise the health system. The way we talk about it is the sickness industry. You know, that is what it's built on. It's about avoiding and dealing. Not even avoiding. It's about dealing with. And treating sicknesses. Well, no, there's no money in yeah. health. No, there's not. And and I say that. Look, you know, this, the the industry I'm talking about here is has kept my dad alive. Touchwood with with yeah. you know for the last seven years yeah. through amazing surgery and intervention and all that. So I'm deeply grateful. You know, and I, I genuinely. But in terms of treating, um, you know, chronic diseases and things that are of a aren't as aren't as simple, you know, more mechanical solutions. It's just not as well suited as the, the best voices in natural health that, you know, that build about building immunity, building natural immunity and enhancing that, we don't hear those voices out there in mainstream media at all. And yet that's the one thing we should be hearing. So when I hear that balance, mm. and I don't think we will, but when I hear that, mm. I'll be personally convinced that, you know, I'll, I'll start listening to the advice. Mm. In the meantime, I'm, all I'm hearing out there at the moment is dogma. It's, you know, this is the only fix or it's not. Yeah, and I'm I'm deeply sceptical at the moment. It's pretty short term too, you know. When I understand you, you hear people talking about, well, we'll get you get one vaccination, and you'll get the you'll get the next one. It was going to be like three months down the track, and that's all sped up to three weeks in some mm. cases, I think. Mm. And then they're talking about boosters, which um, mm. is a relatively new thing not not a, not a new concept, but new to, to the conversation. Mm. You know? um, so, and I know it's interesting, you know. I imagine that some of the conversations that are going around at the moment are, oh, I, I thought I was right with two. You know, mm. I've got to have another one now. You yeah. know, and I, I don't know. I just, I just trust that people start um, again. You know, asking more questions. I mean, you know, 
even if it's just as a parent, we talked about you won't do it for you, you might do it for your kids, and maybe this is a this is a pretty um, uh, contemporary scenario or version of that, isn't it? It's like you know, as a parent, um, you know, are we are, are we asking the right questions? Well, mate, I I know as a parent, I, I'm with you, and I think you know, yeah, be curious is is all I'm getting at. There's no right and wrong here necessarily, other than you know, if it's um something this big and it has you know there's there's serious implications either way around this um but this is not a sugar pill we're being asked to take it's you know and it's uh so asking questions and understanding what is really going on with that i think is pretty crucial um the 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 big furphy here is the answers aren't being offered in mainstream media and Mm. there is there is a lot of censorship going on in you know i've got i've got friends who in around the world in your business, Charlie, doing podcasts who are being censored for conversations like this. Literally, mm. they're being taken off the air mm. by by big uh, tech, in, you know, by the, mm. by the powers that be. So, um, you know, you've got to dig a bit deeper and ask questions in different places and you need to go off, off, you know, maybe go to Telegram and into DuckDuckGo instead of Google mm. And, mm. and Facebook and whatever. Um, Asking right questions, you get some different answers. It gives you all the information to consider. Mm. And I think that's that's the most important thing we can be doing right now. Because otherwise, um, as I say, again, it's, you've got to follow the money, right? So mm. Who's making the money on this? Mm. Who's got the liability on it? Who's well, got yeah, the risk? Who's, be- who's benefiting yeah. from, from, yeah. The, from the, the current narrative? Yeah. And I don't know it's necessarily, you know, the people who are you know, being let out of a lockdown now um, because I saw interesting, interesting bits the other day. There was a cartoon and there was a, there was a fella in a, in a, it was a cartoon character. He was in a cage, right? Mm-hmm. And the doors open to the cage and he's running out going, yeah, but he's just running into a bigger cage. Yeah. Like he's, he has that sense of freedom, mm. but He's just run into a, just a bigger version of what he was already yeah. in. You know, it's just it's. Um, I, I think it was it was pretty telling. Um, yeah, it, you know, the future is going to play out, and I guess that gets back to, you know, for me and and conversations we've had, Adam, about you know, okay, well, we don't know what the future is going to be. We don't know what um, whether it's mandates or 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 expectations or or legislation or whatever we don't know what it's going to be you know the questions we are asking ourselves now is well what can we do to you know what do we want our future to look like and what do we have to do now to start formulating that you know whether it's education Mm. whether Mm. it's the food we have access to whether it's the health we have access to whether it's the people we engage with um you know there's been no i mean certainly in my lifetime a time where i've had to consider the changes that are taking place may never we may never get back to what it used to be mm. and what a what a glorious life that was you know that yeah that, but you know what you gotta remember this we don't want to go back to pre-covid life because pre-covid life gave us covid you know, yeah that paradigm that actually eventuated path. into this and yeah. that's you know and so my view is as you just said it's about actually let's go and create something new let's mm. use this as the opportunity to build critical thinking into our daily lives again. Let's mm. use this opportunity to say, well, you know, is this, is this education system for my kids what I actually want or can we do something better? Is this um, health system that's being offered to me, this health, this, these, you know, mm. dichotomy, yes or no, black and white health choices or not even lack or lack of choice, what I actually choose or is it just being foisted upon me? And, and I get, <coughs> completely get that they're not easy questions to ask and, you know, there's a lot of people, I know a lot of people losing their jobs and, you know, we're losing half our staff, teaching staff at school very shortly. Um, there's a lot of major disruption and there's also a lot of people who are having major health problems as a result of, you know, the medicines they're being forced to take. So I think, mate, when you go back to sovereignty, this is the thing. I think we've got a really soft, right? Mm. My, my, I lost three great uncles in the, in the World War II. And, and both of my grandfathers fought, you know, like we get asked to speak up and lose 
friggin' likes on social media mm. and, and people shy away from it. Mm. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> you know, like really? Who yeah, no, gives a fuck? Our perspective is, um, is very much different to, and I know, you know, three yeah. great uncles. Yeah. I, I, my, my grandfather went, he joined the light horse when he was 15, turned yeah. 16 on the way over there with his horse and saddle. Yeah. I did not know my ass from my head when I was 15, 16. Right, exactly. You know, so we're not asked to do anything like that, but we've, we have been conditioned. And, I, you know, I think social media is a good example. And I, look, I'm not saying I'm not guilty of this either, mm. but we shut up for the sake of not upsetting anyone and mm. not causing any dissent or having someone sling mud at us or whatever. And yet, that's what, what do we lose in that? And we go back to that thing about fear. What are we really losing by speaking up? Like, I know people who've been severely injured with vaccines. I've gone to, I've had a vaccine. I'm not, this is not everyone, I know that. But there's people who've got, been hospitalised. Yeah. I had a woman on the phone last night who's, who had me in tears telling her story. And she's been, she's got myocarditis and she's been told she's got five years to live. Right? And she's been ostracised and marriage has broken down and ostracised. And she said, but my doctor won't speak up and no one wants to listen to me. Like she's, and you said uh, that her cardiologist actually said, he, he, he confirmed. Is that right? Yeah. He yeah. said the bloody hospital's full of people with the same thing going on. So, yeah. and I'm look, I'm not saying that for fear mongering, but it's just that that story, uh, a it's not in the mainstream media, which it needs to be. Mm. It needs to be right there next to how many COVID cases got diagnosed this week or today. That's that's yeah, right. So that needs to be equally presented. All right. So we've got informed choice, and it's not being. So we need to recognise that. It's, we need to see the full scoreboard, not half. Of exactly. It. Yeah, we're exactly right. Mm. But the other part of it is um, she got told, <laughs> her, she goes to church, she said, and her, her pastor, she told her pastor, you know, she was religious and she went there and said to the pastor, look, this is what's happened to me. And, you know, I want to speak up in church and let everyone, other people know because I want to let others know about this so they're not, nothing happens to them. Yeah. And before they vaccinate their kids with it, you know. And just so we know, so we can make those measured, evaluated choices, informed choice. And the reaction was that the pastor said, no, don't, don't tell anyone because that might stop them getting it too. I mean, so that's what we're living under, that level of social censorship. We're censoring the shit out of each other. And that disturbs me deeply. Man of the cloth. Yeah. <clears throat> So we just so my, my invitation to anyone who's on board with this and this regardless of what your viewpoint is it's it's see right now it's okay to speak up provax but if you have doubts about it you get shut down and not allowed to talk about it. Yep. I mean we'll cop shit for this I've no doubt mm. you you more than me because I get to escape you're you're the man in the firing well, line. Well I mean I talked about this yeah. in, in the opening episode of season four and um, you know and again it's more about asking questions you know just just putting it out there going, oh, well, you know, what, what about this and what about that? You know, that's the way I, that's the way I, I, yeah. I think that's, I think that's healthy. And whether it's asking questions to you, an agronomist about what I should or shouldn't put on my crop mm. or different techniques or to a health practitioner about what they think I should be doing. You know, that's, again, that comes down to what, that's a, it's a healthy, mm. it's a healthy viewpoint. Yeah, mm. it is. And that's, you know, that's, that's sort of go back for me personally. That's, I guess I've had those hard lessons in life where the, you know, I ignored the feather, ignored the tap on the shoulder, and I waited for the mm. Mack truck to kick me, to mm. get me. Um, and I just hope we wake up to our own sovereignty before, you know, we get hooked on an endless cycle of bloody boosters or whatever is mm. coming for us. Mm. And we go, no, this is, this is actually not what we signed up for, you know. Mm. And we can ask questions, and we don't have to be embarrassed to ask, and we've got the courage to ask or at least express dissent mm. if needed. Mm. Um, and yeah, we might lose friends and we might piss our families off or whatever, but you know what? If it's a life and death situation or if it, even if it's simply, you know, this is something that I'm putting into my body, mm. you got that right to ask. Well, that's right. You know? it should, you know, either way, <laughs> you do, you don't. It's your choice. Yeah. Uh, for some, it is, well, it should be a choice at the end of the day for anyone. Mm. Whatever, whatever, whatever side of the fence you sit on, I yeah. think it, it, it would be... Not unreasonable to suggest that um, uh, that that remains the choice of that person. And, yeah. that, and, the, and the, you know, I've, I have a real problem with coercion. I'm lucky I'm my own boss, and I'm not working in an industry or, or a business or situation where you know um, there's any coercion or, or or threats to my my 
what I what I do tomorrow. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, but for those, I just cannot imagine the stress and the strain and the the choice that someone has to make. You know, that's, yeah. that 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 for that someone have to make that choice. Um, I can't imagine the strain that that would be on them and their marriage and their you know financially or whatever or socially. It's uh, it's, it, it's just not I just not comfortable the fact that we've we're even. This conversation is something that's live. You know? It's a tough one, mate. It really it is. is. Really tough. Yeah, I, my, I'm the same. I, I know a lot of friends who've had to roll over and do this against their will, and um, because of financial reasons and otherwise. And and I get it, you know. And I, but you know what? This is this is something I've noticed. And what, one thing that's really attracted me to this regen space is, as you, I think you identified earlier, is that majority of people in the regenerative movement have have the ability and have the experience of speaking up and doing something different, you know, that goes against the grain of their community or what's always been done or even against their families in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. you know, like dad did it this way, but I'm going to do it differently. I know you've had a similar thing there. Um, and there's a lot of courage in that. There's a lot of courage in the regenerative movement to try something new, you know, and to speak up and be different and, you know, risk ostracization and being ostracized and all those things. Mm-hmm. So there is courage out there. There is sovereignty out there. Regen's proof of it. Mm. Yeah, and farmers out there on that on that front edge are doing it, and that's, um, you know, and it's and it's there's shades of grey. Like we say, in regeneration, it doesn't mean you 100% don't use any chemical, and it doesn't mean you're 100% one way or another. Mm. It means there is a philosophy and a paradigm around it which allows for curiosity, allows for in, for dissent, and it allows for, you know, finding different points of view and exploring where the truth lies. Mate, that's a pretty good place. We're looking at the time there, mate. Two and a bit hours. You have you got chickens to feed, or we better wrap it up pretty soon, mate. Um, I uh, I have a number of other questions for you, which I'm going to do separately because we've got this little we've got a group, a Patreon group mm-hmm. um, uh, platform uh, around the kitchen table, and we um, I'm I've been I've started asking my guests some separate questions offline or in a, in a different different audio, mate. It's only it's it's exclusive for them. It's, it, it. We go even deeper and deeper. That's where we keep all the good stuff. We do. That's, <laughs> that's it. That's a great teaser. Yeah. I don't even have to sort of prime you up for that one. You just, just came right out. Mate, um, I've got to say that was fascinating. Um, and even though I know a lot of your story, it's really refreshing to hear, um, you know, not so much from beginning to end because it certainly hasn't ended, but certainly the, 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 the trajectory that your life has gone on and the decisions you've made or the, or the choices and the, you know, the, those turning points and, and tension events, you know, that's, um, I trust our listeners have got a lot out of that, um, you know, and this is the beauty of, and it's, it's very landmark, isn't it? You know, mm. it's that Socrates forum. Mm. Someone gets up and talks and even though the topic might be, you know, not, not their their interest or their journey, but it's like there are things that they can see reflected in that story mm. that they can take home and digest and 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 learn from. So that's yeah. that's the whole idea about this show, mate. Mate, um, I would a full kudos to you. Like I said, it was meeting you early on was the uh, a big turning point for me in terms of you know your 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 courage and your outspokenness in in the regenerative movement. Um. You know, opened a lot of doors for me personally and put me helped put me in this it, it, turning point pathway opened up and there we mm-hmm. go and, and so you know thank you for that and I'm sure for many others who are listening now it's, uh, it's what you're doing so you know that full kudos to you for the for paving the way for others to make the decision well mate thank you I really appreciate that it's it you know, I find it easy when there's so many good good stories um, uh, pioneers you know settlers explorers out there doing wonderful things and all i do is sort of facilitate those stories to to come to light so um and as as we have today hopefully mate um we better finish this one i will jump on you for another quick one for our other patron mob anyone wants to join up patreon go to our website charlieart.com.au get on board because it's extra special stuff from adam you're going to hear if you jump on um, straight after this episode. Um, right, mate, let's wrap it up. Been a pleasure cool. Thanks, sitting Charlie. here, been a borough, lovely part of the world, and um, we'll we'll continue this conversation offline. Look forward to it.
And next week's episode on the regenerative journey is with John Farris, the uh, the. the <laughs> I was going to say the lead drummer, the only drummer, the drummer for In Excess. Um, he, we, I sat with Johnny um, uh, recently on his farm in the North Rivers of New South Wales and what a fascinating chap and what a wonderful life of regeneration and renewal. Um, so I hope you enjoy next week's episode of the Regenerative Johnny. Uh, regenerative Johnny. It is the Regenerative Johnny. The Regenerative Journey uh, with John Farris. This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.